Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. Welcome to the 20s. We're so thankful that you guys are spending um, Sunday morning with us, worshiping the Lord together, enjoying Him and enjoying each other. That needs to be a big part of our church experience, not just uh, coming to sort of lock into a, uh, a moment of music and, and teaching, but also to enjoy each other. Because somebody today um, is going to have an opportunity and a privilege to be a blessing to somebody else, and that's part of church on Sunday mornings. Somebody in here is going to have an opportunity to, to receive a blessing just being encouraged through a conversation or maybe a moment where they share what's going on in their life and they pull them aside for a bit and they pray with them. And so church is one of those opportunities on a regular basis. You come, it's important, where we enjoy God and we enjoy each other. You guys ready for some Bible study? Let's dig in today. We are starting um, uh, a new series next week, but on this first Sunday of the year, God put on my heart that we would uh, spend a few moments looking at some things that I'm calling some anchors, some anchors that keep us from drift. Up on your screen is a, a picture of a ship. It's a, it's a boat. It's, it's not a giant boat in comparison to some boats, but it's also not you know, a little aluminum boat or a little rubber raft. It's, it's a boat. And ships, when they get out in the water, they need an anchor. And I actually picked one up uh, this week. Uh, this anchor weighs about 15 or 20 pounds, and it is significant. It is substantial. It would break your foot if you dropped it on your foot. It's a big deal. You can imagine some of the super tankers and battleships and aircraft carriers, what those anchors look like on those vessels. Um, uh, this is actually a, an anchor that's referred to as sort of a navy-type anchor or a, in a variation of a buyer's anchor. And one of the reasons for that is, is you can actually turn this a specific way and take this apart and it will stow. And even on the giant ships, you can do that. You can take them apart and stow them, and it's been that way for a long time. Another part of the anchor that's, that's uh, let's see if we can make the, put this back now. I never served in the Navy. Just want to confirm that right now, in case you're wondering. Another part of this anchor is something that's called the fluke. And the flukes are these two pointy parts. These are the things that, that catch when the anchor goes down into the water. And they're made a little bit to resemble sort of the tail fin on a whale. But all of these parts of an anchor are so important for ships that look like this and for ships that are massive and gigantic. Anchors are so important because if you do not put down an anchor, the current will cause you to drift. Even if you're not running the engine, even if you haven't raised the sails, the current, just what's going on underneath the surface will cause you to drift. And it's so true in our lives. Here in the beginning of a new year, in the beginning of a new decade, if you and I don't put down some anchors in Christ, you and I are vulnerable to drifting. There are things below the surface that will just pull us. Have you ever had the experience where you're out on the water and you look up and you're at this reference point and you look down and do some things and look up again and you're like, oh my goodness, the reference point is way over there. It's just, it just happens. Drift happens. But there's a couple of important reasons why we need some anchors. 
We don't need anger. Anger's not good. We need some anchors in our lives. Number one, we need anchors because we can drift into some dangerous places underneath the water. Even in this shot here up on the screen, you can see there are rocks nearby, but don't you believe there are some rocks you can't see? There are rocks underneath the surface, and if your boat bumps up against those rocks, it will not just be a moment when you're stuck. It could be a moment when your boat is absolutely torn to shreds. You can drift toward danger, but one of the other reasons you need an anchor, in fact, in light of all the currents and the drifting that can happen, is you can become separated from the group. When ships would go to different places, they would go because there was safety in number. And they may not be a military armada, but they would travel together and they would put down their anchors for the night. And if you didn't put down your anchor, it could be that you woke up in the morning and your boat has drifted off into isolation, out to sea, away from the others, and all of a sudden you are off on your own. And friends, there are some of us in this room, we need to put down some anchors right now in Christ, the beginning of 2020, the beginning of this new year, so that we don't drift into isolation because the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. God gave you, gave you the gift of each other, and he gave you a responsibility, a ministry to each other. We need each other. Amen? God made us for relationships in this thing we call the church with a capital C that has its expression with a lower C called people of hope here in Murfreesboro. Drift is real. And drift is, is, is a very, very, very dangerous thing towards some rocks or into some isolation. So we're going to look at this morning some anchors that keep us from drift. And we give you three categories. We're going to first talk about some personal anchors. What are some personal anchors that we can have or need to have that will keep us from drift? Number one is reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Bible reading and study. This is a good and important anchor for you in your life. Be in the Bible. Right now, our church is reading through the book of Acts in the month of January. If it's January 5th, we're reading Acts chapter 5. We're just giving it a date of time for the first 28 days because it's good to be in the Bible and let that soak and marinate in our hearts and let God's word speak to us and let's see new aspects of his characters and be reminded of, of all the ways that he can work and all the wonders that he can do and all the truth that he's called us to and all that's been made possible in Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Look at this verse right here. The Word of God is not just a book. It is not just ink on paper. It is not just an ancient document. This is the living, breathing, active, powerful Word of God. And it has the power to make a difference in your life. This is a supernatural book. For the words that are in here aren't just really true. They're not just really helpful. They're not just really wise. These are God-breathed words. There is living, powerful, life-changing stuff in this book. And something supernatural happens when you and I are in it. It says here in this verse, 
It is living and active. It's alive and active. It is sharp like a double-edged sword, and it penetrates. And we need our hearts penetrated. We need the hard to be made soft. We need the things that we're blind to 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 be things that we're aware of. And we need things to kind of get down through the pain and regret and hurt and wounds. We need God's word to penetrate down deep into our lives. And when you do, when you spend time in God's word, when you put yourself in front of this active, powerful, sharp, penetrating, living word, it will make a difference in your day. Friends, do not be deceived. The word of God is absolutely relevant for 2020. You may think, well, that's a document of the ancient Near East. That's a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament and New Testament. They didn't have things like artificial intelligence. I absolutely believe the Bible gives truths and principles that can be relevant to artificial intelligence. The Bible is relevant for anything that's going on in this new decade and anything that will come on until Jesus comes. The Bible still matters because God gave us this word, this love letter, this set of promises. This set, this set of guides, God gave this to us out of kindness and helpfulness. He gave this to us to live life. And I want to ask you, do you have an anchor sunk down deep in studying and reading God's word? Because if you don't, you need to get one. Because it will keep you from drifting. It will keep you from drifting into error. It'll keep you from drifting into foolishness. It'll keep you from drifting into untruth. We need the anchor of Bible reading and Bible study. Secondly, another personal anchor for us is prayer for ourselves and others. Prayer for ourselves and others. Prayer must be more than what you do at the dinner table. Prayer must be more than what you do on Sunday. Prayer must be more than what you do before the test you forgot to study for. Prayer must be a a living, breathing part of our relationship with God where we have regular conversations with him. And the more mature you become as a Christian, the less formal your prayers are. The more it is father-child, relational, intimate, close, the less it's, it's like a letter and the more it's like a conversation. The less it's like, Dear Lord, I come to you today, and the more it's like, well, God, that didn't go well. I'm really embarrassed with the version of myself I just showed in that meeting. God, help me. I'm so impatient. Or Lord, I don't know how that's going to turn out, and I've never prayed this for you today, but I'm going to pray pray for this thing. I've never prayed this before, but I'm going to ask you to do this today because you can do anything. Prayer is an ongoing conversation where you have the privilege and the access to Almighty God. The same God who spoke the universe into being is asking you to ask Him. To ask, to seek, and to knock. Prayer will keep us from drifting. Prayer will keep us humble. Prayer is a great anchor to have in your life because it is a daily, all-day reminder that I don't have my own life figured out, that I am not the answer to my own life's issues, that I need God. 
Prayer keeps us clear on that. It keeps us humble. Prayer keeps us from seeking our own way. And prayer creates moments where you can have a testimony to the power of God and praise for God. Let's sink down an anchor of prayer in our lives so that we don't drift, so that we can be people who can say often, yeah, this went on in my life, and then I prayed about it. Yeah, that happened, but, but then I prayed about it, and here's what God did. Prayer sets us up for moments to give a testimony to the power of God. God is still answering prayers, amen? He's not finished. And some of us in the room, as you start the new decade, the new year, you need to be challenged with this word right here. You, ha- you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And you are under a deception, a false idea that you have sinned so much that you can't ask God. His love for you hasn't changed in the way that he cares about you no matter what you've done. And Jesus has said to us, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Sink down an anchor of prayer. Are you talking to God about your marriage? Are you talking to God about your relationships? Are you talking to God about your need? Are you talking to God about your wounds? Are you talking to God about your dreams? Are you talking to God? Prayer must be an anchor to keep us from drifting into self-reliance. Self-reliance is a fancy word for idolatry. Here at People of Hope, we like to say all our hope is in Jesus. But if prayer is not a regular anchor in your world, there's a good chance all your hope is in you and in your intellect and in your connections and in your experience and in your own wisdom. And all of those things may be vast and may be deep and you may have lots of resources, some bright people in here some experienced people in here. But let's never become self-reliant. Amen? We need an anchor of prayer. Third personal anchor we need to sink down deep in our lives is compassionate disciple-making. Compassionate disciple-making. The great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples that still counts for us is that we are to go into all of the world. Let's say it this way, to go into every corner of Murfreesboro, on every team, in every classroom, in every cubicle, in every neighborhood, in every restaurant, in every place that we find ourselves and make disciples. Not churchgoers, but Jesus lovers. People who are blind and become seeing. People who are dead and are raised to life. People who are hopeless and find hope. 
people who become followers of Jesus. And we need to do this out of compassion. We share good news with the people who need it. You and I need to be reminded here at the beginning of the new year that one of the most loving things you can do for people is to give them the good thing they are lacking. It's to point them to Jesus. They may not know there's a love that's free. They may not know that there's hope. They may not know that all of the filth of their lifestyle can be forgiven. They may not know what God has done for them. We make disciples out of compassion. And this has to be an anchor where you meet someone and you kind of go, I wonder what their story is. I wonder if they know Jesus. And you meet someone and you kind of think, man, there seems to be a lot of struggle in their life, a lot of discouragement in their life. I want to figure out a way to point them to Jesus. It's compassionate disciple-making. It's not obligation. It's not duty. It is compassionate. You are empty, and I want to introduce you to living water. You are empty, and I want to introduce you to the one who can make you full on the inside. Disciple-making is something we have to be reminded. There's an obligation to the Great Commission that all of us have as Christians. You and I, each of us, are accountable to the Great Commission. And I believe with all my heart, I say this with love and tenderness, I have conviction in my heart that someday we, as Christians, are going to stand before God and give an account to how we fulfilled the great commission where he put us. You and I are accountable to make disciples where he's planted us. So on your team, in your school, in your band, in your class, at your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, make disciples out of compassion. And moms and dads, your first disciple-making happens at home. Amen? It happens at home. This is where you are showing your love for Jesus. This is where you are showing and teaching your kids where they need to invest their lives, how to give their heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. This is where you are demonstrating what really counts in life and what really matters in life. This is where you're teaching them that all the stuff of earth is going to fade away and pass away. This is where you're teaching them that there's more to life than being busy and then dying. Moms and dads, what are your kids observing in you about disciple making? Can they follow you as they follow as you follow Christ? None of us are perfect. But let us be committed to sinking an anchor down deep that says, I don't know how many more days I've got before I go to heaven, but I want to take a lot of people with me. And I want that to start at home. And I want to teach my kids that I'm not perfect, but I love Jesus. And I need Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. And Jesus answers my prayers. 
And Jesus is very real in his strength when my life is struggling. I want my first discipleship to begin at home. It's an anchor toward the Great Commission, compassionate disciple making. It would be unloving of you to let your kids think that making a lot of money and having a big house is the purpose of life. It would be unloving of you to let them put all of their investment, all of their passion into the stuff of earth that's going to fade away and be destroyed. But it would be absolutely loving of you to lead them to be passionate about the one who can satisfy their souls, to lead them to spend their life wherever they're planted, hurting for those who hurt and leading them to follow Jesus, making disciples. And one more under the personal anchors, just the idea of community. If you sink down the anchor of community, you're going to have to drop the anchor. The anchor doesn't just like have an auto switch. It doesn't just, you know, fall down when the ship stops. You've got to lower the anchor. You've got to drop the anchor. It's got to be on purpose. And so some of us in the room, your big step in 2020 is to lower your anchor in community and to drop the anchor into relationships with other Christians. We have these things called community groups at People of Hope, and these are, are little small groups of believers who gather in homes during the week. Some of them meet every week, some of them meet twice a month. There's some for ladies, there's some just for guys, there's some for couples and all kinds of ages and those kind of things. Some of you, on purpose, you need to drop your anchor and say, I'm not going to look at my schedule and see if I have time for this. I'm going to say, my life needs to be in close relationship with other Christians, who, other fellow strugglers, other people who can carry me when I'm weak, and other people that I can minister to when they're weak. I'm on purpose not going to evaluate my schedule. I'm going to say, I need this. I'm dropping an anchor here. I'm going to get in a group. I need it. I need to be in close community with other people so that I can know them and I can be known by them. One of the most desperate needs that all of us have is to be known and accepted by others. And I invite you to try one of these groups. And if you're wondering, every single one of them is imperfect. Every single one of them. But I invite you to try one of these groups and find what God might do in you as you receive care and opportunities to pray and study the Bible with other Christians and what God might do through you as you have an opportunity to invest in other people. Friends, the Christian life isn't meant to be lived in isolation. You will drift into a place where you're struggling and nobody knows about it. Drift into a place where you're fooling around with stuff that is going to be a disaster in your world and nobody knows about it. One of the best spiritual disciplines you can make for 2020 is to intentionally drop an anchor. I don't want to drift. 
I'm going to put down an anchor right here. Community is important. It gives us care and covering as well as some great friendships. I love our community groups. I love hearing stories about what's going on in them. And uh, they're studying the Bible together and they're hanging out together and they're praying for each other. And when something's going on uh, outside of group meetings, they're praying for each other and keeping up with each other. And they're also just having a good time. They're going to events together and concerts together and having meals together and just finding people to do life with. People who are headed in the same direction. And we need that. Drop that anchor of community. Another category of anchors for us this morning are some church anchors. What are some anchors in our church that keep us from drifting? Some anchors in the church called People of Hope that keep us from drifting. Let's be reminded of these anchors. First of all is the mission. Our mission is to connect the people of Murfreesboro and MTSU with the hope of Jesus. The mission isn't to, to get them in our organization. The mission is to connect them with Jesus because Jesus has all they need. We don't. And we're offering them hope, not judgment. We're offering them hope, not promises. We're offering them hope in Jesus. And it's for everybody in our city. You mean the people who believe like we believe? Nope, everybody. And it's especially for that campus. This church was born partly out of a calling to go and raise up a people who would love God and also include loving that campus as best we can. Because there are 20-something thousand young people on that campus who are on their way somewhere else. And if you and I can lead them to love Jesus and find hope in Jesus and find wholeness in Jesus and fullness in Jesus, then you and I have impacted businesses and families and marriages all over the globe for generations. How's that sound? They're here for a little while and they're on their way somewhere else. Let's show them Jesus. Let's lead them to Jesus. Let's fill them with Jesus so that they go and do their life as aerospace folks and teachers and lawyers and musicians and managers doing it all in the name of Jesus. Let's be involved there. So the mission, that's an anchor for us. We are, we are going to have this anchor so it keeps us from drifting. We're intentionally very lean as a church in these early days. By the way, happy 17-month anniversary today. We're a baby. But here at the beginning, we are trying to stay lean. What I mean by that is we're doing worship gatherings, we're doing small groups, and we're doing serve teams. And we're not doing 47 other ministry things that are good things. We're trying to stay as close to we can as the mission. Connecting the people of Murfreesboro and MTSU with the hope of Jesus. That's the mission. But let's, let's, let's all be very clear about this. I hope you've heard the news. God's opened a door for us to have a building. It's crazy. We should not have a building like this at our age and size. It's crazy. It's a God thing. Go to the website. Read about a home for hope. It'll blow your mind. God is amazing. Hello? God's amazing. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But this is so important that we say this, as we're still a few months away from moving into the building, we're still getting ready to, to renovate and do all those things, and we're talking to architects and all that kind of stuff. It's incredible, it's incredible, incredible. But the building is not the mission. And the building is not the answer. 
The building doesn't fix anything. The building doesn't change anything. The building is simply a tool through which we accomplish the mission. This building's going to be a big focus right now, and it should be, because it's a big deal. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's going to take a lot of work. And when we move in, we are going to party big time. We're going to have a grand opening, and we're going to invite anybody and everybody, whoever drove by that building, we're going to invite them to come to the grand opening. It's going to be amazing, and we are going to praise God, but we're not going to worship the building. And we're not going to get in the building and coast. Man, we were in a boys and girls club for a while, and we had to set up everything and tear down everything. We had to scrub the bathrooms and clean the floors and set up stuff in the parking area and all those things like that. And, and now we got a building. And so many churches die a slow death. I want to help you, and I need you to help me to not move off of the mission. Hello? It's about hope for all who want it. And it's an anchor that our church is setting and we don't want to drift from. The second one is serving. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We have an anchor here of serving. If you want to be a part of people of hope, we're calling you to be a hope builder. That you are involved and engaged in helping someone else's story of finding hope in Jesus. That you're doing whatever it is, whether it is scrubbing the bathroom or setting up the chairs or the stage or the production or leading. There are no small roles in a big mission. I'm inviting you that if you're not currently serving, that you would step up to serve and join one of our serve teams and get involved in helping to make great things happen for other people. Yes, there's sacrifice involved. Yes, you come early and you stay late. Yes, there's a little, you know, bend your back and scrub something or set up a chair or tear it down. Uh, yes, there's a lot of work involved in that, but it is a privilege to partner with God in the story of people coming from death to life a privilege and why does that need to be an anchor for me and for you because you and I if we're not laying down that anchor we're going to drift into consumerism we'll become consumers of church yep somebody else came in and worked on this but I'm just going to come and enjoy Yep, somebody else gave money. I don't need to. Yep, somebody else came early. I don't need to. Somebody else will do it. Consumer is, is I just want to come in and get and go. But serving is, well, you better believe I want to get. But just as much I want to give. And if you put down the anchor of serving, it will help us avoid drifting into consumerism. All of us are vulnerable to that. Maybe I'm the only one in the room, but the person I love the most, if I'm really honest on most of my days, the person I love the most is me. Hello? Anybody else? 
And if I can find an opportunity to serve myself or to find a shortcut, I will probably end up there. I'm very vulnerable to that. We all are. So as a spiritual discipline, as an intentional act of commitment, as an act of investment, and as something that's just good for us, I'm going to serve. I'm going to step up to serve so that I don't drift into consumerism. I need that anchor. Because I drift easily. Some of you who've been serving for a long time as hope builders and you come early and you stay late, you've discovered a secret that a lot of folks don't know. Yes, there's joy in the serving. Yes, there's something beautiful to offer that as worship to God. Lord, I'm going to scrub a bathroom today. I'm going to set up a sign in the lobby today. Lord, I'm going to set up some chairs or a drape today. I'm going to put up the lights today, Lord, and I want that to rise up to you as worship. But there's also good friendship in that. There's checking in with each other and laughing with each other and talking with each other, getting to know each other. There's a great family opportunity in those moments. It's really good for you. So if you're not currently serving, drop that anchor so that you don't drift into consumerism. Serve because it's good for you. Serving activates you in the mission. Serving says, I know there's a war going on. I know there are opportunities out there, but I am enlisting. I'm not waiting to be drafted. I'm enlisting. I'm in. What do you need? What can I do? Put me to work. Oh, that's what you need me to do? Great. There are no small roles in a big mission. Does that excite anybody? I love that. I love that. Hopefully you watched the uh, Tennessee Titans win the game last night and to advance to the next round of the playoffs. Here's what's true. There was not one person who made that happen. There were two groups of 11, and then there was a special teams group. There was a big team playing lots of roles. There were people on offense, people on defense, people on special teams, people who were blocking, people who were carrying the ball. There were all kinds of roles, and they all get to celebrate the win. So let it be said of us that we are happy to block or happy to carry the ball. Whatever it takes to win. Because when Jesus wins and other people win, we win too. Number four, the last one in the church category, the last anchor that we need to sink is worship. Worship is participatory. Worship is a verb. Worship is active. Worship is a response. It's a response to who God is and what he's done. God, you are great and glorious, and I want to bring you praise because you're worthy of it. God, you are amazing and kind and merciful, and you have not squashed me like a bug this week. Thank you, God. I'm bringing you praise. God, you have come through this week. You've answered the prayer. You've opened the door. You've repaired what was broken. God, I'm giving you praise. Worship is intentional. Worship is an event. It isn't a time when you come and you watch a show that happens up here. Listen, let's say it again. God is the audience of our worship. 
and we are the performers of worship, and the people up here are just the leaders. These are not the performers. They're the facilitators, those calling us to worship, those giving us a boost to see Jesus more clearly, those helping us with the beauty of music and the, the craft of lyric, and they're pointing us to God. And God's pulling up a chair to say, what's on your heart today, young one? What's on your heart? What do you want to say to me? Worship is our response to God for who he is and what he has done. So when you come in to worship, that's an anchor for us at People of Hope. It's not just the song time before the teaching time. Worship is an engagement of God. It's an encounter with God. It is participatory. And why is that important? Let me give you a couple of reasons why it keeps us from drifting from some things. It keeps us from treasuring lesser things. It keeps us from treasuring lesser things. When you come in on a Sunday, after a long week, sometimes it's easy during that long week to start buying the marketing plan of the world. <laughs> that we need to care so much and invest so much in so many things. And you come in on a Sunday and you sing, great are you, Lord. It's your breath in my lungs. Whoa. I'm going to pour out my praise. And I choose to praise. I choose to praise and I need to get recalibrated every Sunday to treasure the one who is worthy, the highest of the high, the most loving of the loving, the sovereign, all-powerful, wise, eternal God who was and is and is to come. Colossians says, set your hearts on mind above, set your minds on things above we need that on a weekly basis. And we've dropped an anchor to say, we're not just doing church because it's music and preaching, music and preaching, music and preaching. We're inviting you in to have a moment with God and we'd love to help you. We're gonna put up some words on the screen and we're gonna have some musicians come and lead you every single Sunday. So come and meet with God. We wanna help. It will keep us from drifting toward treasuring lesser things. Second of all, it will keep us from losing hope. Some of you had an experience a little bit earlier when you were singing and hope and faith began to rise out of some of your lowness of spirit. Worship, singing the truths of God and what he can do and what he has done lifts the spirit and it quickens faith. When you and I sink the anchor of worship, it keeps us submitted to following God as our leader. It's one of those reminders. Worship every single Sunday when we come together and we sing together, we are reminded, you are the king and I am your subject. You are the, the master, the, the Lord, and I am the follower. You are the father and I'm the child. You have it all figured out, and I don't. Worship 
needs to be a priority. And so let's just say it a couple of ways. First of all, when you come in, come in and worship with your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. It's not about how well you sing or how much you're into music. Look at the truth of those lyrics and respond to the truth of God. Respond to the goodness of God in your life. Respond to Him. That's worship. You can do it sitting, you can do it standing, you can do it singing, you can do it shouting, you can do it with your hands crossed and your, own, your arms folded, you can do it with your hands raised. Just respond to God. But second of all, I want to just ask you, make this a priority. To quote the big musical in, that's in Nashville right now, you want to be in the room where it happens. The room where it happens. You want to be here. Not just listening to the teaching, but teach your kids that being here in the presence of God, with the people of God, to be reminded of the truth of God is a priority and it's good. Be here. It's good for your soul. Last category of anchors. So we've talked about some personal anchors. We've talked about some church anchors. And let's finally go into some spiritual anchors. Some spiritual anchors. The first one is salvation through faith. It's so important that we have that anchor driven down deep. Salvation through faith. What is that saying? Well, let's talk about what it's not saying. It's not talking about salvation through effort or works. None of us save ourselves by being good boys or good girls. Amen? None of us have the ability to make ourselves right with God. None of us have the ability to wipe out or cancel our sins. Jesus wiped out and canceled the power of our sins when he gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross. And our salvation is through faith. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and we follow him as the Lord and leader of our lives, believing that he accomplished the finished work of salvation on the cross, and he is alive, having been resurrected from the dead. It's believing. Well, wait a minute, that sounds too easy. That's the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Why is this important that it's an anchor? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It keeps us from thinking or believing that we have to earn God's love and approval. And that's so easy to creep into our minds, even for us who've been Christians for a while, that we have to earn God's love or earn God's approval, that we have to do good things to get to stay with him. But your salvation isn't based on what you've done, it's based on what Jesus has done. That's amazing news. Our salvation is by grace through faith, not actions. You are saved. You're fully forgiven. You are acceptable to God. You are made righteous in the presence of God. You've been pronounced not guilty. That means you've been justified. Not because you and I have done anything more than believed. This has got to be an anchor. Because we don't want to be a church that says, well, if you're a good person, God will love you. If you do all the things on the good list and avoid all the things on the bad list, then you'll get God's forgiveness. Nope, we come to him and we say, 
forgive me. And I received the I received the gift by believing in Jesus. It's the gift of God, not by works. It's also important because it keeps us fearing, keeps us from fearing the loss of our salvation. Some of you in the room may struggle with this more than others. You fear that you move in and out of being saved. Well, I'm saved and then I do something sinful and so now I've got to get saved again. Or, or, or then I, I'm doing fine and then I mess up again and then I've got to ask God to save me again. Nope, that's not true. You and I are not saved by our behavior so we do not lose our salvation by our behavior. So don't begin to think that you move in and out of your salvation. It is by faith that you are saved. You do not need to reapply for salvation, asking over and over again to be saved, because you have been sealed up with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at it together. In Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, Paul says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. For when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Time out. When you believed, not when you got your act together, not when you cleaned things up, not when you stopped the bad habit, not when you stopped living that lifestyle, not when you stopped doing those things or saying those things or watching those things, but when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal promised Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You are God's possession. You have been sealed up in him and nothing can take you out of God's hand. Your salvation isn't based on your ability to hold on to God. It's about God's pronouncement of you being clean and righteous. Theologically, we call this imputed righteousness. That means that, that when God looks at you, he doesn't say, oh, you're righteous. He goes, here's the righteousness of Christ. Now you have the righteousness of Christ. That's, it's been imputed on your life, to your life. You are righteous now, but it's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. I didn't do anything to be made righteous. I simply believed and received. Why is this an anchor? Because we don't want to be a people who believes in, uncondition, who believes in conditional love from God. We want to be people of faith and people of grace. Sink down that anchor. It's salvation by faith, not works. Second spiritual anchor, radical grace. Radical grace. Radical grace. Let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time. So hold on. All of us were sinful. All of us lived apart from God. All of us were doing the things that we shouldn't do. 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So the big reason why you and I need the anchor of radical grace in our lives is it keeps us from believing we are superior to other people. It's so easy to drift into thinking you're better. Can't believe they're doing that. Can't believe they're living that lifestyle. Can't believe they believe that. I can't believe they're defying God the way they're defying God. I can't believe they're doing that. All of us were at one time, just like them, objects of wrath. And you and I are saved. We have that imputed righteousness by faith, but none of us are better than anybody else. Amen? So when you have that spiritual anchor down deep, it gives you compassion for other people and you never have a moment where you think you're better, you're just further down the road. You've just met Jesus and Jesus is the difference between you and them, so help them meet Jesus. And when you and I have that anchor of radical grace, it makes sure that our church's arms are open wide. So that if someone comes in and they're just a really professional sinner, Well, so were we. And none of us are superior to anybody else in this town, the hardest of the hard, the most wicked of the wicked. We're not better than them. Hello? It's got to be an anchor. It's got to be a big deal so we don't drift into saying, well, what are they wearing? I can't believe they wore that to church. Or, oh my gosh, look at them. Or, or they don't know what to say. Or what to... Welcome, welcome, welcome. We just got home a little before you. Welcome. We were just like you. Welcome. We still need grace because we still blow it all the time. Welcome. Sinking an acre of radical grace will keep us from drifting into judging and rejecting others, people who are still in the process of knowing and following Jesus. Two more. We need to drop an anchor of believing and trusting in the life-changing power of Christ. If you're still there in Ephesians, where we were looking a moment ago, Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may, have, may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And here's the other thing he prays for him, and that they would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So what Paul is saying is this, you and I spiritually have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's yours in Christ. 
So if that's an anchor, that God is, is powerful and that God is changing lives, that he has life-changing power, then that will keep us from being religious and it will keep us on the lookout for life change. We're not just looking for church attenders, we're looking for Jesus followers, people who are absolutely following Christ. We're not inviting people to get their name on a list at our church. We're asking people to come along with us, our imperfect lives, traveling together, headed toward glorifying Christ and bringing hope to this city. This isn't religion. Come to church on Sunday, check the box. We're looking for life change. And I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you to have an anchor in your life that says, I believe that Jesus Christ has made the power of God available in my life. Am I stretching your faith yet? I believe Jesus can radically repair my marriage. I believe Jesus can reach that person in my family who is running far from God. I believe it. Because that's the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The power is available in our lives. I believe that God has the power to defeat the sin of lust and pornography. I believe that God has the power to defeat the sin of envy and pride. I believe that God has the power to change what needs to be changed. Do you believe it? Is it an anchor? If you don't sink that anchor, you'll drift toward glorifying the struggle instead of glorifying the glorious, powerful Savior. Life-changing power. He raised Christ from the dead. Jesus isn't still dead. We need to make sure that we are living out of victory, not defeat. And let's have more boldness than brokenness. Let's be a people who really believe that Jesus has already won, because he has. And some of us, our testimony is all about the brokenness instead of about the one who breaks chains. We need to sink an anchor down that says, I believe in the life-changing power of God that is available to me. If you don't sink that anchor of believing in God's life-changing power, you will drift into fear. And fear will change the way you live. You won't risk. You won't love. You won't open up. And you won't make disciples. Fear is a terrible leader. Lastly, Hope. God has given us the spiritual anchor of hope. We love that one here, right? <laughs> Just two quick things about it. God has given us hope for right now, and God has given us hope for eternity. I want, I want us all to sink the anchor down deep that says, I believe that there is peace for this life, not just peace in heaven. I believe there can be victory here, not just in heaven. I have hope, I have hope that God can do anything. Amen? God can do anything. We have hope for this life and the next. I, uh, I like this idea of an anchor 
But we need to be reminded that an anchor works not just because it's heavy and it sinks down deep to the bottom. What makes an anchor work is when the flukes cling to something. So down underneath the water, there are all kinds of really strong rocks on the seabed. So we need to sink the anchor down so that it can wedge itself under the rock. That's what keeps it from drifting. It's not about the strength of the anchor. It's about the strength of what the anchor is holding on to. So here at this outset of a new year, of a new decade, a new day, a new opportunity, a turning of the page, a second chance, a 47th chance, fill in the blanks for your own life. Sink these anchors down deep and don't don't hesitate to believe in the power and strength of the rock to hold on to your life no matter what comes. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to lead you just to make a moment of commitment just between you and the Lord. Maybe you want to look back over your notes there before you put them away. And What are some of the things that God nudged you about while we talked? What are some of the things that God said, yep, more Bible. Yep, more disciple making. Yep, fresh approach to worship. Yep, grace for all. I'm not superior. Yep, I need to believe that I'm saved by faith, not by works. Would you express your commitment to God? What's your response to him in this moment? What is it that you want to say to him? What commitment do you want to make to him at the beginning of this year, this decade? Not promises to try hard. But maybe you say, Lord, I, I, yep, I do need that community, and it's scary, and I've been burnt and I'm apprehensive, and I think I'm weird and other people wouldn't like me, but I'm going to sink my anchor, and I'm trusting in you to be strong.